down deep inside of every man There's a little boy and a tarry fam And without any doubt The boy will come out when he plays a game from Atari Have you played Atari today? Give a man an Atari game and he'll turn into a little boy But don't worry, he'll be grown up enough to share it Welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, a trivia game show that's dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Zade, your host, and today we have two great contestants ready to compete for fabulous prizes and in the process do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Please play along with the contestants while you listen and see what rad prize you would have wanted if you were here with us, saving Generation X from fading into oblivion. We're so happy you've chosen to join us, and I'm sure you're going to get a nice dose of nostalgia and maybe a few laughs along the way. So if everyone's ready, let's start the show. In this episode, we're going to get a little geeky on some of the topics. There for sure is something for everyone here, I hope. But if you like reminiscing about Atari 2600 games, 80s music, and Star Wars, then this is an episode you might especially like. Especially like. We're going to save Generation X for future generations today with the material we cover with these two friends of over 20 years. Our contestants today are Tyler. Hey, longtime listener, first time contestant. I'm really excited to be on the show. Thanks for having me, Zabe. The pleasure is mine, my friend. And Tyler will be competing against today, Peter. What's up? I'm representing them Gen Xers because... I was recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Zur and the Code on Armada. You're gonna bust the record. But before we meet them properly, let's give a quick overview of the games we'll be playing today. If you're new to the show, then this is a perfect time to start listening because we have a brand new format to the show. I have a listener message me over and over again, suggesting a change in the order. And just to shut him up for a moment, we're gonna try out his suggestions. So shout out to listener Salem message received we're going to try out the new format changes and see how it goes <clears throat> you don't have to message me anymore i got it stop whining this is how we play the show is broken up into three rounds of games the winner of each round will receive an advantage in the following round and the player who wins round three will win a chance at today's prize the show has gained some support from our patreon account and we're investing that support back into the show by making sure every episode there's a winner as we get more patrons to give a few bucks to our Patreon account, we'll be able to give bigger and better prizes and ensuring a contestant is a winner in every episode is the first step to giving back to our listeners who have been so kind and so generous to make a financial show of support to the show. Thank you very much to all our Patreon supporters. Details on how you can become a supporter to the show will come in the later in the episode. We're going to jump right into round one and get the games rolling. Round one. Hey guys, you know, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there we have the first game of the day, and that is a game we call The Facts of Life. In this game, we take the top 10 crowdsourced opinions about a topic, and players must compete to identify them on a top 10 list. An incorrect answer gets you a strike, and the player that gets three strikes loses the round. The winner of round one will be awarded the power. The power. Which is a position will grant them advantages throughout the show. So no points are awarded for round one, but having the power is a great advantage in each round. We flip the coin backstage to determine who goes first. And Peter, you won the coin flip. Atari, a name known the world over. A name synonymous with the electronic game industry. 
a name that to millions means fun. With the introduction of Pong in 1972, Atari created the video game industry. Since then, Atari has led the way with many classic arcade hits. In creativity, in engineering, in management, Atari is the industry standard for coin video games. For many of us from Generation X, our first introduction to playing video games at home came from the hands of our beloved Atari 2600 video game console. Countless hours were spent alone with just you and the game and that square base of that joystick biting into your hand as you waited for your parents to come home from work. Today's Facts of Life list is all about the greatest Atari 2600 games of all time. The list was compiled by over 3,000 lovers of classic video games based on how much fun they were to play as a single player. So, games like Combat and Target Fun are not on the list because those were way more fun to play head-to-head -head than just you versus the console. So tell me, guys, what are the most fun Atari 2600 games to play as a single player of all time? Peter, get us started. Well, I have to pick the one that's even come back into, like, the zeitgeist right now yes i just did word, use the word zeitgeist and that's definitely adventure that was like the greatest game i am a professional dungeon master and let me just tell you that was the start of it all back in the day adventure my friend back with ready player one tyler i think you're in trouble buddy i, I know i am adventure <laughs> the number one on the list Woo! very good peter that was the first video game I ever passed as a kid. I felt so proud of myself. Tyler, can you get number two? Uh, for me, it's, it's the simplicity of Space Invaders. I think it's one of the classics. It's many games try to imitate, but no one could quite replicate the fun of Space Invaders. Out here, we entertain ourselves at home. So we got an Atari video game. There's so many different games to play. We especially like Space Invaders. Zapping those little devils from outer space. It's fun. Space Invaders. Number six on the list. Well done. Peter, back to you. I'm going to have to go with that one that makes you feel like an adventurer. Pitfall. Because I think it was like one of the number one selling games, right? Right. If you haven't met Pitfall Harry, you're missing the year's most incredible video game adventure. Pitfall for the Atari 2600 and in television. Since I met Pitfall Harry, no other man will do. I was surprised that Pitfall wasn't number one, but it is number two. Sweet. Congratulations. No strike so far. Tyler, back to you. What about Frogger? George, George Costanza enjoyed it. <laughs> Frogger, number 26 on the list. I'm sorry, Tyler. That is your first oh, strike. Okay. Okay, Peter, back to you. No strikes. I'm going to go with one of those really weird, odd games. It was one of the first ones. Defender, zipping around, saving those humanoids in your little spacecraft side-scroller. I remember the game. I got 49 games here on the list, and I do not see Defender on the list. What? I think no that was way. one of the top selling of all time. No what? kidding. Okay. Whoa. I know what games what? were popular because when I was a kid, maybe five years after Atari kind of lost its steam, a friend of mine brought all his old games. I could see all the ones we duplicated. Well, the ones that he had and I had and the friend down the street had. So one thing to consider is Defender may have been a great game in the arcade, but it may not have translated well to the Atari 2600 home console. So please keep that in mind in your next answers. That's strike one for you, Peter. One strike apiece. Going back to you, Tyler. Take control of this game. I'm going to go back to a classic and try Missile Command. You mean you have an Atari video game system, but not Atari Missile Command? Great game. You don't? Come on. That's like having a stereo with no hit records. 
Missile Command, number five on the list. Well done. All right. Peter, what do you got? So now I'm worried because now I'm worried that my games that I love and that I enjoyed, because man, I played a lot of Defender, may not be the ones that everybody else enjoyed. But we actually one summer played Pac-Man on the Atari 2600 for like 48 hours straight. And that was not a joke. My mom let us do it over the summer. And we literally were taking turns, tagging in. We had learned the right pattern to never die. The Atari 2600. Now get up to $30 in rebate offers plus a free Pac-Man. Pac-Man, number four on the list. So my memory of Pac-Man is we were so excited to get it because it's super popular in the arcade. And we got it for the Atari and we plugged it in and we played and those sounds and the gameplay, it did not translate from the cabinet to the console. I can hear those sounds in my head right now. It's very iconic for the Atari. So I was surprised, to your point, is there are games that you love to play, and whether they're going to make the list or not, I hated playing Pac-Man on the Atari. But there's games on this list, though. Like, I play, I love playing Frogger. Tyler, to your question, did not make the survey. But that's three answers down for you, Peter, and two for Tyler. Tyler, can you get another answer off the list? It's one of those that Frogger didn't make it, but I, I'm going to try Donkey Kong. Scrolling. Oh, no. Really? Is that my second what? strike? Scrolling. You're kidding me. No Donkey did it, Kong. Did it have to be made by Atari? Because that's it, like Coleco or something. Or it didn't. Activision. Yeah, Pitfall was Activision, and that was number two. Oh, okay. Uh, All nope. right. That's your second strike, Tyler. You got to be careful from here on out. I'm still in it. You're still in it. Anything can still happen. Peter, you're up. So I am going to go out on a limb because this was a poll you said, right? Yes, it's a poll. Single player games. See, I feel like I just want to take a strike because I liked the game even though nobody did. And they even made an, a documentary about how horrible this game was. E.T., the extraterrestrial. Did it make the top 10? Historically, one of the worst games to play that did not make the list. <laughs> I had fun with it. His <laughs> neck action was amazing. Not a main, not a main, not, not sign him off. All right, Tyler, two strikes a piece. Uh, this could be it. If you don't get the answer here, you're going to strike out and Peter wins the round. Well, you know, I struck out on Frogger and Donkey Kong and I'm thinking Centipede, but maybe those aren't translating to the home console. Asteroids is a classic, but it's so dull, but it's classic. And I've been, you know what? I've done well with the classic so far. So I'm going to go Asteroid. Oh, no, don't scroll down the list. It should be right on there. I didn't have to scroll down too far. Number 32 on the list. Oh, all right. I'm, I'm sorry, Tyler. That is your third strike. You have struck out. That means, Peter, you have won round one, and you have won the power. Ooh, the power. I have the power. Does that make me he-man? So let's, 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 let's hear the top 10. What did we miss out on? Okay, here is the top 10. Number 10, a game called, maybe you'll remember this, Jungle Hunt. Mm, no. That game translated very well from the arcade into the console. Gameplay was pretty identical. You know, a lot of those Atari games, they, the version of the arcade by name only, really. Right. And uh, Jungle Hunt, though, translated really well. I remember loving that one. This was one of my picks. It would have been a top one for me, personally. It's a game called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Do you guys remember that game for the Atari? Yeah. Yeah, super fun. That was a great single-player game. So that was number nine. Number eight, a game called Kaboom! Kaboom was oh. great. Another Activision title. That little robber who dropped the bombs or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, for me, it was automatic. You just, I could just follow it. Yeah, you get into a trance. Exactly I thought, right. I thought that was sort of a more esoteric out there game. I, I didn't think anyone else knew about it. Yeah, Kaboom was great. That was, that was my, I was Kaboom champ in my house. 
there was a thing in the inserts for the game that if you got a certain score, you should take a picture of your television and send it in. We and, did. What you did you do that too, Tyler? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did. We got to the end of the game or whatever, whatever score that was. I have a picture of my sister. It's in one of my scrapbooks. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I took the picture too and sent it in and nothing happened. So that's, that's what I remember is nothing happened. <laughs> I am waiting for my award, Activision. What I, ha- what I have is a memory. I have a picture with my sister and we, we, you know, we got to whatever score that was. Number seven on the list was Cubert. Oh, oh yeah. That's another game that translated well from the cabinet to the console. Yeah, my dad literally purchased the cabinet. He loved Cubert so much. Wow. He bought the cabinet, put it in his office back in the day. So I was actually a Cubert expert back in those days. But wow. that was that's how much he loved it. And we loved it when it came to the Atari 2600. Would have been a good answer for you to use, Peter. I know, right? You won anyway, so it doesn't matter. We weren't allowed to play Cubert growing up because of all the bad language. <laughs> Number six, Space Invaders you got. Five was Missile Command. Four was Pac-Man. Number three you did not get, which was Yars Revenge. If you remember uh, Yars Revenge. I was going to say that next. That was my next one. That was one of my favorites. Whenever you see artwork of Atari games, that one usually pops up. Number two was Pitfall. And number one, of course, was Adventure. Before we start round two, let's take a moment to better meet our contestants. The judges are the gatekeepers of all things Gen X on the show. And to that end, they are requesting to know more from our contestants about their Gen X credentials. That is, apart from being born between 1965 and 1980, what qualifies you to claim yourself as part of Generation X and what might disqualify you potentially from being Generation X? Welcome to the show, Peter. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and please include your Gen X qualifiers and potential disqualifiers. So my first Gen X sort of qualifier is that I grew up wanting to be a ninja. I watched every single one of those ninja movies. I watched Saturday morning Kung Fu theater. My brother and I even made a choreography in our living room and spoke out of sync like the Police Academy movies. My Tiger Kung Fu is better than yours. I don't think you're good enough to avenge your master. So that was totally a Gen X moment right there. As far as my disqualifiers, I had no interest in being preppy, pegging my pants, popping my collar. Day glow was not my thing. In fact, I was more of what back in the day we would call sort of like spooky, sort of a goth, sort of an emo. And still to this day, I'm a metalhead, emo, screamo kind of guy. I pegged my pants, but I I didn't do any of those other things either. I wasn't cool enough. It's hard to pop your collar when you only get hand-me-downs from your brothers and that sort of thing. Anyways, Peter, thank you so much. Judges, does he qualify for... Yeah, judges are informing me that you can continue with the show. Thank you. Congratulations. And also, please welcome to the show, Tyler. Please tell us a little about yourself and give us your Gen X qualifiers and potential disqualifiers. All right. Well, I have a few qualifiers. Uh, one of my first jobs was working at the arcade. I, I got a job at the Family Fun Center in Fountain Valley, California. And so cleaning out tokens and making sure the video games were on every morning, was that was my uh, summer activity in 1980, whatever it was. I also, when I was about 13 or so, I moved into the family attic, much like Greg Brady, and I decorated it like Ferris Bueller. I had uh, concert posters and uh, pop culture memorabilia scattered throughout the room. I think in the end, it may have looked more like Pee Wee's Playhouse, but uh, I was aiming for Ferris. And I think the last qualifier is I have a VHS letterbox edition of Star Wars, and I'm telling you, Han Solo shoots first. (laughs) Awesome. 
I didn't uh, know you worked at Family Fun Center. Oh, it was a blast. You know, I was that age. I was like 16. And so all the patrons are, you know, 14 to 16 years old. And so when you're the guy running the bumper boats or the putting the tokens in the uh, arcade and stuff, I mean, you're, you're the master there. So, <laughs> and your disqualifiers, potentially. Uh, well, potentially, uh, I grew up in a home, we didn't, we didn't watch R-rated movies. And so a lot of the iconic 80s films, of course, uh, carried that rating. And so in order to keep up with conversations with friends and such, I'd have to quote lines I, I heard in the trailers or that I'd heard other friends quote. So I, I, some of those movies I didn't see for a year or two after they came out in theaters. Fake it till you make it. Awesome. Yeah. Judges, are we going to allow Tyler to continue? Yes, judges have agreed that yes, Tyler, you can continue. Congratulations, guys. On to round two. Round two. Round two is a game called Eight is Enough. In this game, I will ask a total of eight questions, four to each of our contestants. Points are awarded for each correct answer, two points for a complete correct answer, and one point for a partial correct answer, which is up to the judge's discretion. At any time, players can appeal the judges to make a ruling for a partial correct answer and try to make their case through loud arguments. The player who currently has the power gets to choose between two questions to answer. Players take turn answering questions with a chance to steal if their opponent answers incorrectly. A steal is worth one point, but also steals the power away from their opponent. You cannot lose points for an incorrect answer. However, all questions must be given an answer, no matter how incorrect it may be. So if you don't know the answer, please make something up and make it entertaining. The winner of round two will take a secret trip to the prize vault and choose the prize that you'll both be playing for in round three. The player who has the power at the end of this round will go first in round three, which is a huge advantage. So you guys ready? Yeah, let's, let's do it. So Peter won. Peter has the power. And Peter, you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be, don't let this question upset you or else it might pull your arm from its socket, which is a movie question, or never let Nazi monkeys into your home, which is also a movie question. Pull the arms off. Pulls the okay. arms off. Thought you might. This is a two-part question. If you can get the first part correct, then I will give you the second part to answer, okay? In the greatest movie of our generation, the Star Wars character Chewbacca is the most famous and lovable Wookiee of all time. Although he has traveled from one side of the galaxy to the other with his buddy Han Solo, there is only one place within it he calls home. What is the name of the homeworld of Chewbacca? Kashyyyk. One more time? Kashyyyk. That is correct. Part two... Spell it. Okay. Kashyyyk. And it's spelled phonetically. So let's see how I do. I'm probably going to screw this up. K-A-Y-S-H-Y-S-I-K-K. That is not how you really spell it, but I was just joking. I just wanted to see how oh. far, how close you'd get. Hey, man. How close did I get? <laughs> I have no clue. Do I get a chance to steal? <laughs> Can you spell it, Tyler? I think it's cash with a K, K-A-S-H, and then it's like three Y's and a K at the end. Judges? That is correct. Oh! <laughs> However, if you look on the thing, it it's clearly says I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> hey, Tyler, you get style points, though, man. It's, it's, it's a level on Battlefront. <laughs> it is. Uh, I thought it was more difficult to spell than, than I realized, but, you know, it's just the three Y's that trip you up. Uh, well, of course, one of the whys is silent. So that's two points for you, Peter. For all of the creative ideas George Lucas brought to Star Wars, he did not come up with the name Wookiee. That word was ad-libbed in Lucas's first feature film, THX 1138, when a woman used the name to describe a thing that she just ran over in her vehicle. In the middle of this dialogue, you'll hear Terry McGovern say, I think I just ran over something back there. I think I ran over a Wookiee. <laughs> 
this is the first emergence of the word Wookiee known to man in the, the sense that we now understand it. When asked about the word, the actress said that the name was a friend of hers back in Texas and thought he would get a kick out of hearing his name in a movie. At the time, Ralph Wookiee had no idea that his last name would one day become a household word. Ralph Wookiee. Two points for you, Peter. The score is two to nothing. Tyler, can you tie it up? This question is called Never Let Nazi Monkeys in Your Home. It is a movie question. In the second greatest movie of our generation, Raiders of the Lost Ark features many events that could have ended the life of good old Indiana Jones. While in Cairo, his buddy Sala saves Indy's life by preventing him from eating some poisoned food. What kind of poisoned food did Sala save him from eating? Uh, I think they were dates. It's a date. You eat them. You think correct. Two points. Awesome. The score is tied. Two points apiece. Actor Vic Tablin played the eye patch dude who poured the poison over the bowl of dates that were to be served to Indiana Jones. The official name of that character is Monkey Man. But that same actor played another role in the same film as Baranka, the guy who got shot with 100 poison darts in the beginning of the film. That's the same dude. While Sala managed to save the Indy's life, the same could not be said for Monkey Man's monkey. The monkey ate the poison date and died. But it's okay. Because in an earlier scene, we found out that the monkey was indeed a Nazi. After the death of his Hitler saluting monkey, there's no word on if Monkey Man got a new Nazi monkey or if he's simply known as Man from then on. These are the important questions. Those are the important questions of life. So it's two points apiece. You retain the power, Peter, and you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be standing on the beach with a gun in my hand, which is a music question? Or will it be, even Chaka knows that this was not a routine expedition, oh. which is the television question. Chaka. Chaka? Chaka. I know, I know my cross superstars <laughs> and Super Saturday show. This is a long one. Buckle up. Marshall, Will, and Holly were able to navigate a small rubber raft through the greatest earthquake ever known to arrive at the land of the lost. But they were unable to navigate the royalties contract for their faces to appear on lunchboxes of kids of the 70s. That's what caused Spencer Milligan, the actor who played Rick Marshall, the father of Will and Holly, in the 1970s TV series Land of the Lost to leave the show after season two. The show continued without him as he was replaced by Uncle Jack as the paternal figure to watch over the kids on the show. Here's the question. How was Rick Marshall's character written off the show? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, he was sucked through a portal after arranging crystals in just the right way on the Matrix table found inside a pylon? Or B, Rick was in the river when another greatest earthquake ever known occurred and he escaped the land of the lost. C, he was captured by Sleestack and his status was left in limbo as they negotiated a new royalties deal. Or D, Ta, Sa, and Chaka ate him. Chaka! Ooh, I definitely like D, but that's not the answer. It's the first one. It's the pylons and the matrix and going through the portal. That is correct. Two points. See, and I thought the question was going to be, do you remember Saw and Ta's name? <laughs> <laughs> I was worried you're going to ask me that, that what was the name of the actor of Uncle Jack? And I was like, oh, I got nothing. For Nobody knows. He doesn't even know. <laughs> Nobody knows the answer. We're trying to tone down the difficulty level of the show. It's been reported to me that some of the questions are too difficult. A is correct. He escaped the land of the loss via the power of the pylon and its crystals. Here's the fun fact. Unable to settle on a royalties deal, the show and the actor parted ways. On screen, they slapped a wig on a crew member and filmed him with his back to the camera as he got sucked through the portal, leaving his kids behind to the tender mercies of Uncle Jack, 
The actor's career cooled off after the show, and his next big role came as playing Alice's nude model boyfriend in the TV show Alice. So if you want to get all meta about this, one could say that Rick Marshall left the land of the lost and was transported to Phoenix, Arizona, where he changed his name to avoid the authorities questioning his story of where his missing children are and is trying to start over with the waitress Alice and became a nude model to pay his way through law school. This is the third episode in a row with the tie-in of the show, Alice. We'll see if this trend continues. Kiss my grits! Okay, Tyler, this question's for you. All right. It's called Standing on the Beach with a Gun in My Hand. It is a music question. The Cure, Standing on the Beach, the singles, was a compilation album released on May 6, 1986. The cassette version of the album contains over 85 minutes of music from the band's singles up to that point in their history and also includes the B-sides of many of those singles for a massive total of 25 tracks on one cassette. I sound like one of those infomercials right now. Mm -hmm. Which of the following songs was not on the compilation album? Was it A, Halo, B, The Love Cats, C, In Between Days, or D, The Exploding Boy? I'm going to go with D, The Exploding Boy. I'm sorry, Tyler, that is incorrect. Uh, That's unfortunate. Yeah. Peter. I know the the answer then. (laughs) Peter, can you steal this question? I am taking a guess. This is so random because as a dancer, for me, music has no time. Every single song I've heard every single year of my entire life. I'm going to say Halo. Halo is correct. Uh, I, I knew the middle two were on there. I couldn't, I've yeah. never heard of those other. Yeah. Anyway. The Exploding Boy was a B-side and so was Halo as we'll find out. Halo is the B-side for the single for Friday I'm in Love. Halo is also the answer to a trivia question. Which B-side song by The Cure is 1,000 times better than the A-side? If you're unfamiliar with the song, it is totally worth checking out. And if you don't mind indulging me for a real quick moment as a personal side note, Halo was the song played during our first dance of my wedding. Shout out to my wife, who we have recently celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary. I love you, Suzanne. Thanks for 10 years of marriage and 25 years of love. Our first dance, Halo. Cool. Okay, that brings the score five points for Peter, two points for Tyler. You are in a predicament, Tyler. I, I, I see that. Yes. Peter, you retain the power and you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be Flood, which is a music slash singing reply question? Or will it be, do you know G.I. Joe, which is a TV toys question? Okay, I'm going to go with the TV toys question. I definitely think my G.I. Joe is better sorted out in my head than my than my music, even though I'm a dancer. <laughs> well, let's find out. G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, was a five-part miniseries where the Joes must race around the world against Cobra to collect the needed catalytic elements to build a weapon called the Mass Device. For those of you who remember, the miniseries was a landmark in the franchise and the launching pad for many Gen Xer kids into a lifelong love of all things G.I. Joe. It had a more mature feel to it than other cartoons of the day. Uh, A surprisingly intricate plot as it featured some of the good guys not always winning at every turn. And it had a feel that something was really at stake for the characters that are in it. First airing in 1983, it features the majority of the product line of action figures that were available to that date. Counting all Joes and Cobra characters combined, how many characters featured in the miniseries were also made into toys for us to buy in 1983? This is a multiple choice. All the ones that were already toys or are these new toys? These were toys that were available to purchase in 1983 that were featured in this cartoon miniseries. 
Okay. Was it A, 17, B, 21, C, 27, or D, 69? 69, dude. Nice. Uh, but I'm going to say it was C, 27. C27 is an outstanding guess, and it is also correct. That was a total stab in the dark. There were 27 available to buy in 1983. General Flagg was in the miniseries, but he was not available to purchase until almost a decade later in 1992. The miniseries was a fun adventure, and I bet you didn't know that it features such rad elements as gladiatorial combat, mind control, a meteorite, a volcano, and giant shrieking tube worms. Well, now you know. And knowing is half the battle. Okay, Tyler, you absolutely have to get this one right to mathematically still remain in the game. We got it. We got this one. Okay. The question is called Flood and is a music singing reply question. For this question, you must sing your answer. Oh, do I have to sing on key? Because uh, well, we, could, we, could we could just end it right here if that's the requirement. <laughs> we'll appeal the judges for that answer. So sing your answer. The question is simply, why did Constantinople get the works? It's nobody's business but the Turks. It's nobody's business but the Turks. There you go. <laughs> that is correct. Good. Uh, I'm still and, alive. Still alive. We got this. And the fun fact is also simply Istanbul. So that brings the score seven to four going into the final question. So it's three points separate. Peter, you still have the power and you can pick between these two questions. Will it be name that tune 80s one hit wonder edition, which is a head to head challenge, or will it be you have died from dysentery, Oh, which is a video game question? Yes, I can tell. And I'll start with the dysentery one. Okay. Peter, you have died from dysentery. This is a video game question. The Oregon Trail is a computer game first released in 1985 on the Apple II. It was designed to teach students about the realities of 19th century pioneer life on the Oregon Trail. In the game, the player assumes the role of a wagon leader guiding the party of settlers from Independence, Missouri to the Oregon's Willamette Valley via a covered wagon in 1948. Believe it or not, there are other ways to die in this game other than dysentery. Name two other specific ways that you can die playing Oregon Trail. Oh, man. I think Tyler's going to take me out on this because uh, I'm just going to have to make some stuff up. I vaguely remember uh, there were uh, like wolves that attacked. And I'm going to say the second way. This is where I'm struggling. You got in a fight with uh, Native Americans. Judges? I'm sorry. They are saying that it's incorrect. Tyler. Can you steal this and steal the power? So you said Native Americans and wolves. Was that that's already that's what he said? Yes. <laughs> Neither of those were correct. I'm gonna do. How about dying from the cold and uh, starvation? Can I, can I keep listing a bunch and see if any of them stick? <laughs> well, you, you got to give me two answers. So oh. is, is that what you're going with? I'm going with uh, starvation is one and dying from the cold. Yes, I'm gonna I'm going to go with starvation and the cold. Judges, the judges are going to give you one point for a partial correct answer. Exhaustion and starvation, I believe, are the same in the game. So it's going to give you five points to Peter seven. You did not steal the power, however, because it was not a complete correct answer. So, Peter, you retain the power. Tyler gets one point. The specific reasons why, how you could die of forced dysentery, but also measles, snake bite, exhaustion slash starvation, typhoid, 
cholera, as well as drowning or accidental gunshot wounds. Surprised no one said gunshot wounds. The Wild West. Here's the fun fact. The Oregon Trail was extremely successful, selling over 65 million copies. It was a hallmark in American elementary schools in the 1980s and 90s, as many school computers, including the Apple II, came bundled with the game. Video game has been described as an identifying experience for Gen X and has been introduced into the World Video Game Hall of Fame in 2016. The game has been revised several times, referenced in pop culture countless times, parodies and merchandise readily available, and there have even been an off-Broadway musical made about the Oregon Trail called The Trail to Oregon! Exclamation point. Some of the songs featured in the musical are Wagons on Fire, Calk the Wagon, and Dysentery World. It's not a world I want to be in. No thanks. Okay, so going into the final question. Tyler, this is for you. It's called Name That Auto-Tune 1980s One-Hit Wonder Edition. For this question, the judges will perform part of a popular Gen X song that were one-hit wonders in the United States during the 1980s. You have to give me the artist and title of the song, okay? The catch here is that the judges are terrible performers, and they will also be using an awful fake British accent to make things sound more confusing and silly than is necessary. For those of you new to the show, I've been waiting to receive an email from my two listeners in the United Kingdom to see how they're enjoying the podcast thus far. You know, to give them a shout out of sorts and to encourage them to reach out from across the pond. I've been making lame and unwarranted British jokes. The judges are going to continue in that spirit by using a clearly poor rendition of proper British accent in the game. I'd love to see how this show translates internationally. So I guess we should not limit it to just uh, listeners from the United Kingdom and open up to any listeners from outside the United States. Let us know how we're doing, international listeners. The email address is whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. It's all one word. Or you can set down your team crumpets long enough to check out the show notes for that email address in your podcast player, if that makes it easier for you. We love our international listeners, and we'd love to say hi. Back to the game. There are a total of three songs that you'll take turns answering with the regular rules applying for stealing the power as well as stealing points. So that means this question could potentially be worth up to five points to one of you. So anything can still happen. Tyler, you're down two points. Let's see if you can catch up with this one. Give me the artist and title of this song. A cloud appears above your head. A beam of light comes shining down on you. Shining down on you. The cloud is moving nearer still. Aurora Borealis comes in view. Aurora comes in view. Artist and title. Do you want to hear it one more time? Uh, yeah, I need a little help on this one. Yeah, it's a little difficult. A cloud appears above your head. A beam of light comes shining down on you. Shining down on you. The cloud is moving nearer still. Aurora Borealis comes in view. Aurora comes in view. Uh, wow. It's hard without the music. Uh, yeah. And the accent doesn't help. Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. That was a great guess. It is incorrect, but it's still a great guess. Well, I, you can't say, I don't know. I don't want to get slimed. <laughs> Peter, can you steal this? I cannot, but I am going to guess. Is this love by Whitesnake? <laughs> that is incorrect as well. An entertaining guess. Let's see if you guys can figure it out from the original. What is it, guys? I've run so far away, but I don't know the name of the group. Oh, you wouldn't have got it anyways. It's Flock of Seagulls, Iran. Flock of Seagulls, Iran. Parentheses, oh, yeah. so far away. 
Okay, so that's no points for anybody on that question. Peter, you get a guess on this one. Name this artist and title. We're talking away. I don't know what I'm to say. I'll say it anyway. Today is another day to find you. Shying away. I'll be coming for your love. Okay. One more time. Uh, please. I actually, uh, it's triggering something in my brain, but I can't seem to put it together. Here, try this. We're talking away. I don't know what I'm to say. I'll say it anyway. Today is another day to find you. Shying away. I'll be coming for your love. Okay. Artisan title, Peter. Oh, man. I think Tyler knows it. Dig, digging I, deep. I, I, I need I, to hear it. I, I, I recognize it, but I need to. I, need I know. It. Artisan title, Peter. I'm going to say it's Aerosmith, Walk This Way, because I got nothing. Okay. Well, Aerosmith certainly was not a one-hit wonder. <laughs> Something to think about when you're answering these you questions. Sure? Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. That is incorrect. Tyler, can you steal this 80s one-hit wonder? Is it Take On Me? Bye. Uh, uh -huh. You're uh -huh. just clearing your throat or answering the question? Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Well done, Tyler. take the headphones off and just sing it to myself because it, that British accent really throws you off. Well, the judges are terrible performers. The score yeah. is now seven points for Peter, six points for Tyler. Tyler has stolen the power. And we're going to go to this last question. Tyler, if you get this right here, you will win the game. No, no pressure or anything. No pressure. And to make sure there's no pressure as well, this one's super easy. If you don't get this one, I'd be shocked and ashamed. And okay, is there enough pressure? Here we yes. go. Okay. Father wears his Sunday best. Mother's tired. She needs a rest. The kids are playing up downstairs. Sister's sighing in her sleep. Ah, 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 ah. Brother's got a date to keep. He can't hang around. Artisan title, Tyler. Our House by Madness. That is correct. You've completed the comeback. I got lucky. Eight points to seven. Congratulations, Woo. Tyler. You have won round two. And now we're going to move on to Dysfunctional Family Feud, where you get to select the prize that we're going to be playing for in the last round. But before we do, let's hear a word from our sponsor. The Flintstone Funnies will return after these messages. Before playing the final round, if you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts and subscribing to future episodes. It costs you nothing to give us a positive review and subscribe, but it would mean a whole lot to me. We'd love to have you as a friend of the show. Thanks so much. We now return to the Flintstone Bunnies. Peter, don't hang your head. You've led the whole game and uh, just took to the very end here. You can still win this though. Anything can still happen. Okay, so I'm going to put Peter in the waiting room. And Tyler, you and I are going to take a secret trip to the prize vault. All right. We now have our secret selection for the prize you will be playing for in Dysfunctional Family Feud. Welcome back, Peter. You're going to want to win, Peter. Okay. Don't, don't hold back. Go for it. I won't. I won't. Gloves are off. Remember, I am the master. 
because I got the glow. <laughs> round three. Round three is a prize round called Dysfunctional Family Feud. In this final round, I will ask the same five survey questions, Family Feud style, to each player in turn, and they will need to give me the responses for what they think are the most popular answers from the Generation X timeline. That's the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. These are actual survey questions taken from actual people from Generation X that have been quizzed by the show via Facebook. The player who has the power, the power. which is Tyler, gets to answer first with player two unable to hear their responses. Player two will then have to give responses to the same five questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any of their answers. Whoever gets more points wins the game and goes on to claim a chance at their prize that the winner of round two has already selected in secret. So we have that item. And now we're going to put Peter back into the waiting room. Tyler, here we go. You know how we play. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. So you have one pass. Pro tip. Use your pass. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. As a teenager, about how much time per day did you spend talking to friends on the telephone? Two, two hours. Which was the best TV drama theme song from the 80s? Drama. Uh, pass. What is the most overrated movie of the 1980s? Ghostbusters. I'm gonna get some people angry on that answer. Yeah, anything else though is gonna be not as popular. Anyway, it needs to be big enough that someone's gonna say it. Name a singer or band that when they come on the radio, you immediately change the station. Bon Jovi. Which actor was the best James Bond? Sean Connery. No hesitation. And going back to the one you passed on, which was the best television drama theme song of the 1980s? Dallas. Well done, Tyler. Thank you. Very well done. Welcome back, Peter. I'm going to ask you the same five survey questions I asked Tyler. You may not duplicate any of his answers. If you do, I'll say, give me another answer. And that's what you'll do. It's a little bit more difficult, so you get two passes. Use your passes. Don't waste them. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. As a teenager, about how much time per day did you spend talking to friends on the telephone? An hour and a half. I didn't, but other people did. <laughs> Which was the best TV drama theme song of the 1980s? Drama? Pass. What is the most overrated movie of the 1980s? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Sorry. Hey man, it's won awards. <laughs> Do people really have that high hopes for Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yeah, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Okay. Name a Sorry. Name a singer or band that when they came on the radio, you immediately changed the station. Uh, Rick Astley. Which actor was the best James Bond? Sean Connery. Try again. Uh, then it's got to be, oh man, uh, Roger Moore. And going back to the one you passed on, which was the best television drama theme song of the 1980s? Facts of Life. <laughs> was that a drama? Was it a comedy? I don't know. When they were doing drugs, that was kind of dramatic. There were definitely dramatic moments. Yes. A lot of competition in this. A lot of, there's a comp competitive vibe in this one. Yeah. <laughs> but is there? But is there? No. No, I'm good with whatever happens. 
at the prize ball, I was looking at something that I'm like, what, what, what would Peter like when he wins? And Jason's like, no, you're, you're trying to win this thing. I'm like, well, I don't know if that's going to happen. I got something we'll, we both like. Sweet. Sweet times. Yeah. It's all good. Okay, guys, let's go to the scores. I asked you as a teenager about how much time did you spend talking to friends on the telephone? Peter, you said one and a half hours. That is the number two answer worth 33 points. Tyler, you said two hours, which was the number one answer worth 40 points. Next, I asked you, which was the best television drama theme song from the 1980s? Peter, Facts of Life surprisingly did not make our survey. That was worth zero points. Tyler, you said Dallas, which was the number two answer worth 28 points, bringing you to a total of 68. 68 to 38. The number one answer was Miami Vice. Oh, true that. That was pretty good. That was sweet. I asked you, what was the most overrated movie of the 1980s? You guys gave me a couple of gems. (laughs) Texas Chainsaw Massacre was said by Peter. Surprisingly, did not make our survey. All Gen Xers think that's that's appropriately (laughs) appropriately up on that Mount Rushmore of uh, slasher films. Just kidding. Tyler, you said the beloved movie Ghostbusters. The judges want to give you one point to make it an even 69, but they can't. That was, did not make our survey either. Both of those were zero points. The number one answer was Top Gun. Oh, no way. That's classic. That's like one of the greatest movies of all time. I even had my dance team at UC San Diego when I was coaching them do a number to Top Gun and they took it to the nationals and won. That's worth every bit of praise and accolade that it's, that's, that's, ever, that's ever received. And I am so ready for Maverick, man. It's gonna be hot. So it's gonna bust. Were the judges in that national competition, were they Gen Xers? Uh, the answer is no, they were okay. all boomers. The people all who's, boomers. who replied to the survey are Gen Xers and they say it's overrated. I think, I think the first Christmas that I was married, I bought the Top Gun VHS because I thought girls like Tom Cruise. <laughs> Beach volleyball, man. Yeah, and I like Top Gun. And my wife was like, "Why? Why did you buy me this?" <laughs> I had a lot. I had a lot to learn when I was young, and <laughs> newly married. Yeah, married at like eighteen or something. Yeah, it was high school prom wedding. It was all just kind of one big thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings the score sixty-eight to thirty-eight. Going to question four. I asked you name a singer or band when they come on the radio. You immediately change the station. Peter, you said Rick Astley, which I think is a great answer. I know I certainly changed the station, but Rick Astley did not make the survey. I'm sorry. That's worth zero points. Hey, Peter, that's, you know, I DJ, actually, I run a small DJ business. And uh, when the kids get out of hand and they start moshing, I throw on Rick Astley and it, and it kills it. Throwing a bucket of cold water on the party. Yeah. So I, I think it's a good answer. Tyler, you said Bon Jovi, which was the number two answer worth 26 points bringing you to a total of 94 points. The number one answer was Rush. All right. <laughs> I can't believe Bon Jovi though. Bon Jovi? I mean, I lo- no, no, I love Bon Jovi. This isn't what do I, you, not, what, not what do I do? What did the survey say? Yeah, but like among all my Gen X friends, man, Bon Jovi, never, never in a million. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me, but it's a survey. Yeah, I think Rush and Bon Jovi are both kind of polarizing groups that either love them or hate them, I think. You know, so. living, living on a prayer is still one that the kids today, when they hear it start playing, they just go nuts and they all sing along. So it's actually still one of the more popular dance songs that some of the high schools I play at. The score is 94 for Tyler, 33 points for Peter. The question is, name the best James Bond actor. 
Tyler, you said Sean Connery, which was the number one answer by a landslide, worth 41 points, bringing you to a grand total of 135 points. Peter, you need 105 points going into the final question on a survey that goes to 100. Peter, you said Roger Moore, which was the number two answer. Is it worth 105 points? Survey said. I'm sorry, that's worth 30 points, bringing you to a total of 60. That means, Tyler, you have one dysfunctional family feud and you've won the prize. Let's go figure out what you picked. For winning round three, I offer a chance at a prize by me placing bids on my eBay watch list on the winner's behalf. I will place multiple bids on the listing chosen in secret by Tyler until I am the high bidder. If that bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I will buy that item for the winner and have it shipped out to you. Good luck. Let's take a look at the prizes Tyler had to choose from, and then we'll reveal what was chosen. As is show tradition, you have your choice between Garbage Bell Kids of Flat Tyler or Peg Leg Peter. Bring the nostalgia home to your game room with this poster of the Atari 2600 classic game adventure featuring the artwork from the game cartridge. Hey guys, ever wonder what day of the week May 4th, 1991 was? Well, wonder no more with this handy 1991 pocket calendar featuring a picture of Robert Smith of the Cure on it. Please note that the calendar is 100% written in Portuguese. Be cool in the hot summer sun while you sit poolside in these vintage Janssen swim trunks guaranteed to be the shortest shorts you will ever own because it is impossible to make them any shorter. <laughs> Do I look like I go out in the sun? Try not to die from dysentery a whole new way by playing your very own copy of the Oregon Trail card game. Russians were the hated bad guys in a lot of 80s action movies, but who could hate having your own set of Russian nesting dolls, especially when they feature your favorite Star Wars characters, Chewbacca and Han and Lando, it looks like. Add to your autograph collection with this hand-signed 8x10 photo of Kathy Coleman, better known as Holly Marshall from Land of the Lost. And the last item is a size small t-shirt featuring G.I. Joe characters doing the YMCA dance from the village people. Wild Bill is the cowboy. Shipwreck is the sailor. Spirit is the Native American. And last is Gung Ho being, well, Gung Ho. Or the biker, I guess. So Tyler, why don't you tell us which item you selected? Uh, I went with the Lucasfilm Star Wars nesting stackers. So Tyler, you've selected the Russian nesting dolls, so you can keep that because you selected that, or you can take what's in the mystery box. Anything could be well, in this box. That's not Legos. It's not Legos. It's not Legos. I'm sticking with my Star Wars nesting dolls. That's a sure thing. Okay, we'll stick with the thing. Do you want to know what's in the box? Who's in the box? Absolutely, I want to know what's in that box. I'm sorry, I can't tell you what's in the box. It's a mystery box. We'll we'll have it roll over to the next episode. That I want to I, I want to sign up for the next episode. <laughs> Deal. What's in the box? Okay, we're gonna bid these up. Starting bids at six bucks. Can you pick a cheaper thing? Come on, man. I was I was hoping you'd spin over to page two where we get the uh, trip to Fiji. <laughs> <laughs> the bid has been placed. Six dollar bid with five dollars shipping. We are the high bidder. If this bid holds up to the end of the auction, Tyler, I will buy this for you and have it shipped out to you. Good luck. Awesome. Thanks. Well, congrats, Tyler. Great job, man. Yeah, I may or may not get some nesting dolls. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you for checking out the show. We know you have a vast ocean of choices in your podcasting enjoyment, and it is simply amazing that you've chosen to spend a little time on our little show. Thank you so very much. If you like the show, you can join us on Facebook and our Facebook group of the same name, 
We post fun Gen X content there every day, and the community gets into some lively topics that I'm sure you're going to enjoy. If you'd like to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash who will save Gen X. Contributions there go directly towards keeping the show going, offering better prizes for the contestants, and all-around improvement to future episodes. At our Patreon site, you'll find special offers for becoming a contributor to the show, so take full advantage of those if you are interested. If you like what we're doing here and want to save Generation X from being forgotten and can afford to spare a few bucks, you can contribute there. If not, please consider us next time. In either case, thanks so much for listening. And speaking of Patreon, I have a quick other shout out to give to our latest supporter on our account. Thanks so much to listener Greg for your contribution and support of the podcast. You are for sure doing your part to save Generation X. This sound clip is in your honor. Did you find out anything new? Since you were in the bathroom, no. No, not really. I did. Like what? Marion Cobretti. Is that really your name? Gonzalez talks too much, doesn't he? <laughs> it's not so bad. No? Mm-mm. Well, it's kind of tough growing up with, don't you think? Well, I like it. Do you? Yeah. Well, I always wanted to have a tougher one myself. You know, something a little harder name. Like what? Alice. <laughs> Once again, I'd like to thank my guests, Tyler and Peter, for being on the show. Tyler, you got any shout outs or plugs you'd like to give before we leave? Yeah. Is this the part of the show where I encourage people to spay and neuter their pets? <laughs> if you want to. Actually, you know, I thought of putting in a plug for our, our new fitness studio, but I think most of your listeners uh, don't live in town. I think they live in Great Britain and uh, <laughs> maybe in my hometown. So I just want to do a shout out to all my childhood friends, the ones that I uh, haven't spoken to or seen in person in a long time, you, you still mean a lot to me. I think the reason why I have such fond memories of those Generation X years is because I had such good friends and, and good times growing up. And so shout out to all those people. I think about you, even though I don't see you every day. Uh, you all are a small part of my life in some way or another. If only there were a 30-year reunion coming up where we could all get together and, and reminisce. I'll see you there, buddy. Thanks, Tyler. And Peter, any shout outs or plugs you'd like to give before we go? So I got first a shout out as well as and then a quick plug. So the shout out goes to the guys and gals who made up our Gamma League. We uh, were the friends who hang out. We were the drama geeks. We hung out and went, drove to Tyler's neck of the woods in Fountain Valley to play Photon almost every single day during the summer playing laser tag, as well as hanging out and getting up to all sorts of nonsense. And as far as my plug, I am also a biology, chemistry, and uh, physics teacher for high schoolers and middle schoolers. I run a learning center called San Diego Liberal Arts Academy. Now, we, I know that a lot of you people don't live in San Diego, but we do have online science classes as well through a platform called OutSchool. If you go, you can learn some amazing science from me, who is the nerdiest of them all from Generation X, using a style that I like to call EduLARP, educational live action role play, where we immerse you into a story and that's how you learn your basic science classes. And it's super awesome. They're all based in the NGSS, if that's important to you. And therefore you can get actual credit for school. Check us out. Our website is sdlaa.com. The first letter in San Diego Liberal Arts Academy. If you do not get that web address, we will post that in the show notes. So please take a look at that. What you do is really cool. And I wish my daughter was old enough. We would totally do that. She's only nine. So hopefully you'll be doing it for a few more years and I'll I'll get her enrolled for sure. Hopefully. 
But remember, you can also join me on my Dungeons and Dragons classes on OutSchool too, if you're a kid and teen. Tell us more yeah, about that, post. Peter. So I, I'm a professional dungeon master. I teach for, I do teach people how to play Dungeons and Dragons, teach people how to be a dungeon master, teach people how to make characters. Um, and then also I run games for people. I have some for kids and teens on OutSchool. And then you can also, through that same website, you can go ahead and like, uh, holler at me and I can run games for you, your family, your friends, come to wherever we need to, if you're close and or play online, which can be lots and lots of fun these days. So in our get to know you section of the game, I mentioned Gen X disqualifiers. Back in our day, it was considered not cool, even a little bit to be into Dungeons and Dragons. You were a geek if you did that. So now all of those people who are cool during Generation X if you find yourself saying, hey, I missed out on that experience, now's your chance to make up for lost time and join Peter's D&D group. Basically, Dungeons & Dragons has seen the greatest resurgence in the last three years that it ever has. And so if you're not playing, you're losing out. So Absolutely. much fun sitting around with your friends and telling stories. Absolutely. Peter, thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure, my man. It was great fun. Yeah, thanks for having us, Zabe. It was a good time. Before we go... I'd like to leave you with a cliffhanger question. If you know the answer, please reach out to me on our Facebook group page, or you can email me at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. Also, if you have any feedback for the show, would like to submit a trivia question or segment idea, you can reach the show at that email address as well. If we use your question on the show, we will be sure to give you a shout out, just like we did Salem this week. Thanks for your suggestion, Salem. I would love to hear back from anyone listening what you thought of the format changes. Good, bad? Check out the show notes for that email address and let me and the judges know what you think. And now, this episode's cliffhanger question is, what is the name of Rainbow Bright's talking horse? This is a multiple choice. Was it A, Moonlight, B, Starlight, C, Lightning, or D, Salem? Correct answers to the cliffhanger question will be put in a drawing for a prize at a later date. Last episode's cliffhanger question has been posted to the Facebook group page so you can find out all the details there. Well, that's it for the episode, everybody. Thanks again for checking out the show. We welcome you to subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. Will, Holly. We're Ralph, Ari, Chaka. Hey, Bucky, you're right. Ralph, Wookie. <laughs> you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.